Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Elizabeth Kowaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to the Unplayable Podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast. On today's episode, we preview the second Ashes Test at Lords. And here to do that, please welcome two gentlemen who between them have won an Ashes series, multiple World Cups, captured 313 test wickets and have written a couple of books. The last one about the atomic bomb. Hello to former Test Quick Mitchell Johnson and cricket.com.au senior writer Andrew Ramsey. Thank you, Who wrote the book about the atomic bomb? Wasn't you, Mitch? Oh, I don't write. (laughs) I don't read or write. It must be me then. (laughs) You can give it a plug, Rambo. Yes, the basis of everything out in all good bookshops as of last week. Um, I won't spoil the ending, but there is a bomb. <laughs> right. Right. Are you doing a book tour here? This is part of it. This is yeah. part of it. Oh, awesome. Explosive ending. So uh, make sure you read to the end. You've got a book though, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Or not an autobiography? Ah. Oh. <laughs> part of it. was ghost written. That no, was good. It was good actually to do it, do a book. Um, I think it, it probably took about two years to do it and I didn't really want it to come out while I was playing because I just thought... Too much ammo. You've potted too many blokes in it. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> it wasn't that exciting. But right. I think from a I think from a kid's like a young kid's point of view, I think it's it's a pretty good book from sort of you know, everyone's got a different background, everyone comes from different place, have uh, different family setups. So uh, I just sort of talk about my story a little bit growing up and then going through injuries and et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's it's not a bad read. It was my second book I read actually after a I read uh, American Sniper. Right. So I went from American Sniper to Australian Sniper. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had this discussion in an airport somewhere. You said you yeah. didn't read a book when you were at school. No, I don't think I ever went through reading a book. I, it's funny because I was supposed to wear glasses at school because I had stigmatism in one of my eyes. And it's only until sort of recently I actually had LASIK surgery. Men, uh, myself and Sids used to actually talk about it a fair bit because he had it done through his career. Mm. And I was too scared to get it done because I thought, oh, I'm happy with how things are going. I'm picking the middle ball when I'm batting out of the three. So <laughs> just let it sort of, you know, flow and that bat swing, but close the eyes. But uh, yeah, no, I, I ended up getting it done. But I think that was part of the reason why I didn't read because I used to get get really blurry. And Did it make a difference? Um, yeah, I couldn't bat for a while because um, the depth perception changed. Oh, right. So like catching and like the depth perception of where the ball was like bouncing and stuff as a batter. Bowling was, it didn't change. Could make that as an excuse though for like the 09 Lords. <laughs> couldn't see the pitch. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, uh, we'll touch on Lords a little bit later, but we're going to start off with our moment of the week. And Rambo, what was your moment of the week? Uh, the week, most of the week was spent in Worcester. So I would think it has to come from there. Um I just remember returned to county cricket ground. It was kind of intimate. It's nice. Worcester used to be a very pretty ground. They've done a few things to it that it's less so now, but you've still got the cathedral in the background. You had mm-hmm. 
big crowds turning up, even though it was a fairly kind of meaningless game. Worcester in the middle of their white ball season. Um, rain around, so you, the three-day game became a two-day game. Um, you know, just the crowd appreciating Travis Head's 100, um, seeing Graham Hick back at his old stomping yes. ground where he made 4.6 million first-class runs. Um Josh, the young debutant as well. The young debutant. Well, I was going to say Josh Hazelwood and Mitchell Stark steaming in under a grey skies late one day with a new ball against a 19-year-old kid playing his first game. Jack Haynes. Um, that was uh, worth seeing. And of course the cake stall, the ladies' pavilion, famous cake stall where they bring in their homemade uh, baked goods. You get a bigger queue there than uh, any other part of the ground at any stage. Um, and Sammy, you know what it was like because you made several trips. With to get several cakes uh, on each trip. Hang on, one a day, but I did get a couple each. So there's so many options. Is that you the extra large jacket you're wearing today? <laughs> try and tell. So I'm wearing the black <laughs> slimming. The slimming. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they were fantastic. Uh, big shout out to the uh, the um, ladies in the um, pavilion there. Fantastic job there, Mitch. Your uh, <laughs> your moment, and we can extend it back to the, our last episode, yep. which includes the the first test at Edgbaston. Yeah, I didn't quite make it to Worcester, so I was uh, yeah. Too busy. In, I had in, your cakes. Yeah, you did, <laughs> obviously. Uh, I, I had a bit of time in London, so um, didn't get a chance to sort of stream it or anything like that. I don't know if it was streaming, but um, oh, I had Joffre Archer in his game because there was a bit of footage of him bowling some absolute wheels and it was a bounce that absolutely took off and you could see the batsman trembling. <laughs> so I sort of, sort of felt sorry, but I didn't. At the same time. But then I thought of Nathan Lyon. How can I yeah. forget Nathan Lyon? 350 plus test wickets. He's on the tail of uh, the great DK Lilly. Um, yeah, so he was absolutely amazing in that test match. And he actually said before that last day, he'd gone down to the shops and some English fans were like giving it to him saying, oh, tomorrow's a big day, mate. You you better get wickets. Like, you know, driving it into him. He said, yeah, 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 yeah. And he said he didn't sleep well that night. He said he was struggling. But maybe that's what he needs to do more often, just go and cop some abuse, go for a walk, cop some abuse, and uh, go out there and steamroll him. It wasn't long ago that he overtook your record. He's, he's yeah. flying. He sent me a text. It's meant to be the other <laughs> way around. He was, I was ready to go, and he'd sent one through to me first. No, nah, um, nah, it was great to see him, him uh, pass, pass me. Um, he was always going to do that. He's... Uh, he's got plenty of years um, in the game left. And it was just good that he's been able to... Um, I mean, there was one point there in his career, it looked like they were looking for another spinner. Um, there was a lot of pressure on him. And he's been able to find what works for him and, and adapt really well. Go on to another level. So did he send you the text just to remind you, just in case you weren't aware of it, or just to say sorry? No. Oh, look, we had a really good relationship. So he was, um, he calls me big brother and I call him little brother. So I used to beat him up a bit. Um, so I think it was, yeah, it was just nice to see. And I think it's one of those things that you, I've never been one for records or anything like that. And when I sort of passed Brett Lee, um, he was like, you know, send me a text and he actually gave me a bottle of um, champagne and I actually did the same for, for Nathan. Um, you know, the text and send the champagne. But you sort of, you want the guys to do so well and then you're like, oh, it's nice to be in that position in Australian history, but it's always going to be there. You know, I'm not that worried. I want him to keep going well and keep, you know, winning matches for Australia. And if he's getting a, a bucket load of wickets, um, that's the best thing. So, um, but he's he is right up there. So mm. 
He's got a long way to catch Warney. Yeah, well, I think he's he's not even halfway yet, is he? Three fifty-two, and Warney ended up with seven hundred and eight. Uh, he's still got a few years. Could he Never get? Know. How could he? How many wickets could he get? I mean, he's thirty-one. Spinners can play later. Not he's a whole only, lot of yeah. um, competition for his spot coming through. Uh, if he plays another five or six years, takes about fifty wickets a year. It's going get, okay. He'd get very close, wouldn't he? Depend okay. on the World Test Championship program, how many games he gets to play. Yes, mm. that's true. My Pretty impressive for a for an off spinner that uh, doesn't go the other way. Yes, he's developed his skills, hasn't he? He's got he the has. straighter one now and seems to be able to bowl yep. in all conditions. Uh, my moment, uh, I was going to go with Steve Smith, obvious one. He's come back yeah. to Test cricket, 142, 144 in that game, fantastic. But I'm going to go with James Pattinson and his comeback, three and a half years out of the Test team. A couple of devastating back injuries. He had the radical surgery, but he's back to his old self. Mitch, you would have loved to have seen a fiery fast bowler out there bowling uh, some express pace. Yeah, it was good. Big boy. That, that's what he uh, always says, and he's had his mates there at the game as well. They call him Big Boy. and uh, it's he's, quite a, he's a big man, though, he's, isn't he? He is big. He quite, he's filled out a fair bit as well. I think that's sort of whether he's been at the Worcester Bakery or the Pavilion <laughs> or whatever, but um, no, it's... Um, it's good to see him back because I guess he's a guy like Payne where wasn't really sure what he was going to do in his career and had the potential. I think Pato's you know, shown that potential uh, early days and he can do a lot with the ball. And I know in 2013, he was a big uh, big player for the Australian team. That was um, over here as well. So I was quite happy to see that selection and see him back playing and see him in a in a pretty good space, to be honest. Yep, Seems like he's settled a bit. Um you know, we didn't see him like lose any control. I'd like to see him get a bit more into the game, but I think that's it's it's him warming up into it. I think because um, it's a long series, and um, it was just I think he was just trying to find his feet a bit. Yeah, but it was good. Yeah, it was really good to watch. And the efforts of of Nathan Lyon and Pat Cummins on that fifth day meant Australia didn't have to bowl a lot. Bowled England out inside fifty three overs, so he should be fresh if yep. selected for the second test. Well, and you've, and Peter Siddle as well. I was actually quite impressed with Sid's um, on that last day because he looked like he got the most movement. Um, felt like he probably made the the batsman play the most um, and was attacking the stumps. And I was quite impressed with him through the whole match. And I think the selections of uh, those two guys, Siddle and um, Pattinson because they've played a fair bit of cricket over over here um, for County, is, that was a really good selection for me um, because it was one that was talked about, how can you leave out a Hazelwood and, and a Stark? Um, so it's going to be interesting um, to see what happens here in Lords. If It's hard to change a winning side, but I think I'd like to see Stark still come charging in um, if he can fit in there somewhere. And um, But I'm always backing whoever's out there, so mm. that's how I've always sort of seen the game. It's, I'm not... Um, I get excited watching fast bowling and um, whoever's out there doing the job, it's yeah, it's up to them and you, you sort of support them. That first test, Mitch, you might have touched on it a little bit yep. there, but your, your overall takeaway, what's your, what's your feeling out of that first test? Australia really shot in the water there at 822 midway through the first day to come back and win that game, pile on nearly 500 in the third innings and then bowl England out um, to record a 251 run victory I mean talk about a game of momentum yeah. but uh, at the end of it how did you feel about the way the teams are and the feeling in the series incredible test match well I think the first three days were it could have gone either way I think it, it really honestly could have and England had opportunities to take the game away from Australia 
I think even in their first batting innings, they, they had an opportunity to put on a, a, a decent total. I think anything sort of around that 150 would have been, you know, in the heads of the Australian team because the pitch was a bit slow, um, back of a length. Um, I don't know, it was a bit odd, but, you know, they went down pretty early with a, a fast bowler. They didn't, their spinner didn't turn up, uh, Mo and Ali. Um, so that put a lot of pressure on uh, Wokes, who he didn't bowl a, a lot either in certain situations where you think he was would have been a, a key bowler um, because he bowls such a full length and gets the ball to move around and he finds the edges a lot. Um, there was a lot of pressure on Stokes, who's an all-rounder who... They looked upon to, I mean, score runs more than uh, he's there to tie, I guess, type an end and, and be aggressive and, and try and get a breakthrough here and there. But I think they rely on his batting and they had to work him into the ground a bit. So they had a fair bit going on, but they still had opportunities to win that match. And I think we could have, I did a, um, I did some radio at the end of that uh, match and could have easily been talking about Australia, how bad they performed and this and that. But it was the other way around. Australia won uh, the bigger moments. England couldn't, um, you know, bury Australia when they had the chance to. So I think the momentum for Australia is massive. I mean, there's so much talk about Steve Smith, and I think that's a good thing because it takes focus away from everyone else. And Smithy can handle it, and he can go out there and just keep doing what he's doing. They're talking about Jofra Archer. They're talking about a left-hand um, leech. Um, they're going to take him down, but there's more than one player in the team and I just feel that Warner's going to step up. Wade stood up. I think that was awesome what he did in the second innings. Travis Head's intent as a batsman really impressed me. Uh, he didn't show uh, that he was worried about getting out. He was just there to play each ball on its merits. And he was disappointed when he got out, so that's a good sign. Um, and I think the bowling unit in general, I think Australia are so much more prepared this, this time around. I think it's the best they've been prepared in a long time, I think. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to what comes next, to be honest, because Lords is a pretty good hunting ground in general, I think, for the Australians. Uh, I don't know what England are thinking with the pitch. Mm. I, I think either way, Australia are ready and they, they can handle a, a green seamer uh, because their batting isn't as good as people make out to be there's i mean joe root uh their lower order butler and um stokes is obviously hitting him really well so he's probably a big threat but if you get a hard ball up against those guys doing just enough then yeah, i think our attack well the australian attack is is on top of that so yeah it's going to be interesting mm. long answer <laughs> they talk about the australian record there and how comfortable the team feels getting there what, what about england coming back there after their world cup Final win will that give? Will that be a happy place for them? Do you think, given their memories of of that game? Uh, if they're happy with a double tie, um, <laughs> no worries. Yeah, um, quite interesting, isn't it? I don't know how I'd feel if I was in that situation, but yeah, they've had success there in a World Cup. But I still think they'd be worried about playing at Lords uh, with that team, uh, the slope, the the conditions. All that stuff, you know, we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll start coming back in. Someone who's got pace and swing and will use that slope really well. Uh, so there's a lot of options there. I think Australia will not be comfortable, but they'll be prepared. And I think England are talking a lot at the moment, and I think they're a little bit worried, to be honest. They're not really sure where they sort of, um, how they're going, to be honest. I, I, I 
don't think it's a hangover from the World Cup, and I don't think the hang. Uh, I don't think them having success from the World Cup is is relevant to a Test match, a Nash's Test match. So, um, yeah. So pretty much, I, I think it's it's game on. I don't think there's any. It's just who's the most prepared and who's ready to win those big moments early on in the Test. One thing England have to do if they're going to get back into this series is get Steve Smith out for less than 140. Um, yep. Absolute masterclass at Edgbaston. You would have played a lot with him, bowled mm-hmm. him a lot in the nets, played, would have played a few games against him, I guess. Not a whole lot. Yeah, not, not a, a lot, lot against him. Um, how, do, how do you do it? How do you get him out? Oh, this is funny. I was doing some commentary stuff and the you know Michael Vaughan and... Uh, Mark Nicholas was sort of going, how do you get him out? Like, and I'd go through like um, the hallways there as well and you'd have a couple of ex uh, the past players of England coming through just shaking their head. Atherton was like, what do you do? Like, And I'm just thinking to myself, I've got no idea. I like That was an honest <laughs> answer. I'm like, I can say like, do this, do that, but it's easier to say that. Um, and I guess for me, like I did bowl a lot to him in the nets and he used to frustrate me. Just his mannerisms, uh, the way he batted. We'd get into really good battles though. Like, So I used to take it on as like I was in a game situation. That's how I trained. And so I would try and frustrate him by giving him a bit of verbal, get under his skin a little bit. And then he would sort of give it back and do that no and sort of point. And <laughs> so it's, um, it was good battles that we had. But I think, I think as a bowler, the best... The best thing for me would be to try and bowl straight and full early on to him. I think on a, on a, on pitches over here generally where they're going to maybe move a little bit, that's the best chance to get him out early. Maybe stack your leg side a little bit more. It is playing into his hands a little bit more, but he can't hit everyone. Can he? Uh, <laughs> it's going to get... Yeah. Well, you're going to have one that moves maybe. And I mean, we saw it against South Africa where, you know, on the Australian pitches, they... They go through a bit more and, and I think Rabada got him a couple of times and they just sort of hung it outside off stump a bit more. But you can't do that here. I think Stokes came on for a spell um, in that last test match and he just got, was it Usman, I think? Just got Usman out. Yeah, across him, I think it was. And uh, it was his first over. And then it, was, he fe- it looked like he was going to like get a couple of wickets and then Smithy all he was doing was getting across because the length that he bowled was just sort of hip height so he was getting across like a fair way across outside the off stump and then he's just pushing him or buttoning him in for one on the leg side and Stokes got frustrated within one over mm. so it was just like what do you do there used to be a if theory they keep, if they keep making pitches like that they'll never get him out there used to be three of those like really good players, and this applies to Coley now and Lara back in the day. That you play on their ego a bit, like you try and they'll they'll dominate you to the point that they think they're invincible. But he's just not like that. Is he? he just resets every ball, and it's it nothing seems to change. Yeah, I guess so. Like I would have loved to have played against. I'm just trying to think if I did play against him. I, I just can't recall it because um, I think I would have just kept going. I think like from my point of view as a as a fast bowler, I would have bowled a lot more bounces and play on his ego a little bit more there you set some funny fields like they're doing at the moment but I don't think they're bowling I saw him get out in the World Cup playing that um, sort of like little lap pull sort of shot mm. but it's a bit different in a test match um, he seems willing to just duck under those short balls yeah I think he, he assesses the conditions he assesses what the bowlers are trying to do really quickly 
So, I mean, he was, he played a lot, had a lot of plays and misses early on. So, I mean, there was opportunities. They, they almost had him, but. Almost. Almost isn't good cut. enough. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what tactic they come with. They're, they're, I mean, like I said, they're talking about Le- um, Leach, the left armour. His average against left armors or his strike rate, I don't know, it was like 34 or something, um, which is the lowest. Um, mm. Might have been average. So maybe, um, maybe a bit of extra pace. I, I think a pitch with a bit more bounce and pace will definitely help. They just need to get it in the right areas, um, which is around that off stump, I think, just outside off stump. But yeah, good luck. I think that average has been artificially reduced because it includes Rangana Herath bowling in Sri Lanka when no one could play him on the pitches oh, they yeah. made over there. So I think that might be the reason for that. Well, it was a bit of a turner here. They they, they had, um, I thought Denley actually bowled pretty well. He looked like he was getting a bit of, bit of turn in that. But I don't know, the, the slower pitches, he had, en- he had enough time to get back and, and get on the back foot or, or get forward. He was just, he just looked so comfortable. Um, it's It's so incredible to see him come back and he's the best player in the world still yeah that's like I, there's no doubt about it like that you can't tell me like if someone is out for a year they're playing against no offense but some club cricketers and i mean there's some good club cricketers going around but it's not it's not the same level and yeah for him to have that that focus determination and, and that want to to score runs and do it back to back is yeah you yeah incredible really shouldn't be anything that surprised you with steve smith but it was kind of uh, interesting to hear him say that he only got that rhythm two days out from the first test i mean he wasn't fully prepared and then through a a vast volume of deliveries from uh, graham hick and all the support staff he finally got back into rhythm and then it looked like he was halfway through a net when he walked out to the to bat in the test match um it's phenomenal stuff we talked about it's incredible to watch in the nets because he he does everything possible. He probably goes back to his room and he's calculating it in his head. He's a bit <laughs> like he's the next generation of Mr. Cricket, Mike Hussey, I think. He's the next level above him. Right, Mr. Cricket 2.0. Um, you talked about Joffre Archer. He's expected to come in uh, with James Anderson out. Uh, is he going to be the, the kryptonite to, to Steve Smith's Superman? Is he the, the one that, uh, with the extra pace, can sort of slant the ball in a little bit? Uh, a fresh... A fresh bowl that Smith wouldn't have seen a whole lot of is—is is there going to be a lot of pressure on him to get Smith out? It almost feels like yeah. England have just put all the uh, yep. all their eggs in one basket to so to speak. Not to not to discredit the other bowlers, but well, it's been yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, and I think it's been this has been a um, a four year process, hasn't it, to get him or, or how many years? A couple of years. It's been, a, to it's get been Archer. quite a yeah, it's been a long term. So it's been project. talked about for a while, and to get him in and. He hasn't played a lot like of long form cricket, so I think from an Australian's point of view and, and Steve Smith and all that, and from England's point of view, they probably yeah, are putting a lot of pressure on him and the media. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he handles it all. He hasn't played a lot of the longer form. I think the best thing they can do is just sort of see how he's going out there, the Australians, and try and make him bowl long spells mm. um, because he, I mean, he, he's a fit guy um, and he bowls really good pace. He looks effortless. Uh, he's got all the uh, all the tricks, um, and he's an impressive guy to watch. It's just I haven't seen him in this form of the, format of the game. It's it's not as easy as as a T Twenty game or you know a shorter form game. So um, yeah, you have to back it up day after day. That's a big question for him. He hasn't played a, a first class game since September twenty eighteen. He played that three day game yep. um, down there in Brighton. Um, 
for Sussex against what was a, a lot of teenage kids for the Gloucestershire second eleven. So, Gives them confidence. Yeah, well, that's right. On yeah. a hybrid pitch too. That On a hybrid part, pitch, partly synthetic, so the ball was kind of uh, climbing oh, was off it? that. Yeah, that was. So oh. they can't use it in first class cricket. That surface. Oh, is that so. what? Oh. That's a bit snaky, isn't yeah. it? Showing that footage then, it's all a big setup. Zipping through, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess the, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. I mean, his first couple of spells would be pretty quick, wouldn't they? But then third, so, yeah. fourth, fifth. That's how you back up from him, yeah. Test of a fast bowler. Yep, it's how, how big uh, Andy bowled four overs in that first test, James Anderson. Uh, you've had a bit of history with, with Jimmy. Uh, yeah. But just how big a loss was it for him? Not only he's a player of his ability, but his experience. And you reckon we might have seen the last of him in this series? He's speaking on the radio today. He said that he'll need to play another game before he comes back into the Ashes. And looking at Lancashire's schedule, there really isn't an option there. He might play yeah. the, the Derbyshire Tour game if he's on loan there. Even that might be a bit of a stretch. So yeah. hopefully we see him back, but it's not looking great at this stage. Yeah, um, I actually ran into him because I was staying in the same hotel in, in Birmingham on the third morning, I think it was, or... It was after he batted, so the day after he had batted, so I must have been the third morning. And uh, it was quite quite funny because when I had rocked up to England, he was the first guy I ran into at the hotel. And it was just like in the breakfast area. I was like, oh, hey, Jimmy. He was, like, oh. <laughs> he was a bit confused at why I was sitting there, but he was like, oh, hey, how you going? And then uh, I ran into him on day three and we had a bit of a chat. And um, yeah, he sort of said that uh, that, yeah, after he took off for a run, he felt it go again like his calf. I think he'd wrapped, they'd strapped it up pretty tight. He had a little bit of a bowl before that yeah. batting session as well, and he said he felt pretty good. Well, he said he was going to bowl in the second innings yeah. until he batted. So he felt like he, he could have got through it. But yeah, I don't know. I think he looked like he was in quite a bit of pain in that situation when he was batting. You could just sort of tell he'd done a little bit more damage. But it's one of those old man injuries, I think, isn't it? You know, the Achilles sort of calf um, they're pretty hard to get back from, from what I hear, and and especially over in these conditions where the the grass, uh, the outfields are really soft, you get a lot of lot more sort of soft tissue injuries. I mean, James Pattinson spoke about it. Yeah, he said Actually, he's just, he's just the soreness in his yeah, legs. Yeah, I think, and also I was I caught up with Nathan Rimmington who's playing with, in in Durham, and he said he said the same thing. Like your, your calves and your hemis get smashed. Like the soft tissue injuries are quite high here, whereas it his hips and his back feel really good because it's so much softer over here with the pitches and everything. Whereas Australia, you get that damage of and that sort of hitting the hard surface uh, of the pitches back home and it jars your back and your hips and your ankles. So it was quite interesting. And I think, yeah, from Jimmy's point of view, I think he's he's got a plan. I think this, you know, this would have been his last uh, Ashes series for sure, whether he would have retired or not afterwards. I think he's pretty close to a thousand first-class wickets as well. Yeah, I think he's within fifty almost. Yeah, so I think that could be driving him a little bit as well. So, as much as there's been that rivalry, you sort of want players of that calibre um, to have the opportunity to finish on their own terms. Mm. But if it doesn't happen, it it's um, it's going to be a tough sort of pill to swallow, I think, for him because he's um, he's one of those guys that I guess he's. He has a lot of run-ins with um, opposition, um, but I think, like from my point of view, like and and sort of seeing him off the field, I've never had really any dramas with him. Uh, and just it seems a competitor, like competitor, isn't he? Just a competitor on the field. One of those guys that probably like me. The opposition guys probably hate me the way I, I am on the field. That but they 
It's those guys that are competitive, your Virats, your Andersons. Um, A.B. Oh, de Villiers is not as uh, aggressive on the field, but they have that something about them, and they're the t- guys you want in your team. So, yeah, I'd be a real shame, and I think they heavily relied on him, that's for sure. I think going to that test, that Birmingham test, uh, I think, you know, to lose him so early, that, that really did mentally scar them a bit. And I think it's, um, you know, they were really looking up to him in the bowling ranks. But, I mean, Broad came through at the start. He looked like he was going to go on one of those knots rampages. Yeah. He sort of did, I guess, in a way. But he just didn't have the uh, the Anderson to back him up, which they they really do need. When you lose a play with 575 test wickets, it's, uh, it's a big hole, isn't it? Yep. Uh, all right. How about the pitch, Mitch? You wouldn't have seen it yet, but uh, it was unveiled today uh, from a distance. We couldn't get up close. Uh, and Justin Langer said that he had a look at it and he was surprised by just how hard it was. Uh, right. He said that he reckons that some of the grass come off. So um, with that in mind, what did he say, Rambo? He said there's a couple of bowlers that's going to come down to one or two spots. He asked for they had a team and he said that they're probably tossing up between a couple. Mm. Uh, he had a fairly clear idea except for maybe one spot or... A bit like Edgbaston, right? Yeah, I think it's a similar scenario. Well, and he's uh, seen a bit of that Lord's uh, pitch. Flick the coin. Yeah, and that decision was made the morning of the game to pick yeah. Siddle over Hazelwood. Uh, you've already spoke about Mitch Stark coming tough, in. What do you... I mean, it's like you said, it's tough to change a winning team. Siddle's got a lot of experience over here. Yep. But Hazelwood bowled very well in that test match four years ago, so... Well, that was what I was thinking. I think he did well, and it, it sounds like it could be a similar pitch mm. in a way because it was quite... There wasn't a lot of grass on it from memory, but it was really hard, and we got a lot of bounce out of it. So our bounces in that series, uh, the 15 series, actually were quite... Because um, you got Moeen with a Moen, short yeah, ball. Yeah, actually got a pretty cheeky run out as well. That I think it was that guy, uh, Ben Stokes. Jumped over the ball, didn't want to get hit, and he's batting his... Um, he was off in the air. <laughs> he got run out. It it's got nothing pretty, to do with the pitch, though, does it? Well, I just wanted to mention it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Uh, no, so it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, I can see Siddle. For me, I actually think Sid's is a real weapon. And I think... I, I wouldn't be surprised if he played every game this series. Just after how I saw him bowl in that first one. And I mean, thinking about last time we were here in 15, and he could have been really handy, like in some of the, the mm. pitches that we play, like knots. And I think he was pretty close to playing that one. And... Just those things, you know, and, and the experience of him and, and being here and playing, I think I think he's given it his last run as well. So he's got plenty of energy. He really wants to just go out there and enjoy it. And that definitely helps as a player. So I can. it's going to be a tough decision. I think Pattinson's probably the one for me that, um, although he bowled, I thought he bowled pretty well. I think he had some really good spells, but it'd be the one guy that, uh, you could bring like a Stark or a Hazelwood in. Has Hazelwood got his control back? He's he's a guy that he's he played the last series here and he probably was he was off. It was his first time and he bowled not the right lengths and and didn't quite get it right, uh, which is understandable. But he's definitely got some more experience under his belt now and he's got some more wickets and confident, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to be... I, I couldn't be a selector at the moment. It's just... And then you go Stark. Stark with the slope. The slope comes into it big time. You know, left armour, a bit of a different angle. 
because we saw in the last test the guys coming around the wicket a fair bit, and yeah, both 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 right armers doing that. I'm not too sure about that. I'd like a someone's going to do it. One's got to stay over one uh, and one around. Is it to the left-handed batters? To left-hand batters. Um, so maybe like a left-hand bowler would be ideal, but yeah, you just you can't squeeze them all in. No, I, I look. I'd go for Stark and probably have Pattinson out, and then as much as I want to see Hazelwood do well, I think you can't drop you can't drop Sids. I think he's he's been really useful, and especially on this slope, I think he'd be very good. Uh, and he just backed up Lino really well, and. Cummins is um, in his own little in his own little world, so just leave him. Where is the number? Where is the number one bowler? Because it can be a quite a fast scoring ground too, can't it? So you, can you be, need yeah. to sit like someone like Siddle bold those tight overs. You can always go back to him to shore it up if it's, you feel like it's getting away. Yeah, I think so. It looked like his pace was was up as well. So when his pace is up, it's it's good. If his pace drops too much, I think it's a little bit easier. And I know that a couple of the England commentators were talking about, oh, he's He's really, like so easy to like face and this and that and I sort of just they were riding the roller coaster up there and I was just oh, I was just patient I knew something was going to happen in the game and Sids was going to bowl well and but I was really really impressed with how he finished that Test match and and I just oh. I don't know if you can drop him for the next one. Yeah, he was. I mean, Cummins took four wickets, but he almost out bowled him. He didn't take any wickets, but he beat the bats constantly. Had that catch uh, off Roy, which was missed by yep. Payne. Uh, and those guys are vital. That, that was the thirteen fourteen series. I always say, like Sids was vital in that series. Um, he didn't get many wickets, but or as many wickets as he would have liked. But he did a job, and he did an amazing job for the team. And we all appreciated it because I was able to play my style of, of cricket. Uh, Ryan Harris did his thing, and um, Sid's did his thing, backed up with Nathan Lyon. So, and uh, kept and getting KP of, out. Yeah, oh, he, <laughs> that was his bunny, <laughs> KP mid wicket. That was an ego. That was an ego thing. That just played on his ego every time. He just knew you could get him out because just wanted to hit him over the top. So, just kept getting him out. Right back on that 2015, you guys lost the first test in Cardiff, came back to Lords. Big win, yeah. uh, emphatic win. It took six for not many in that game, um, and a run out, and a run out, uh, run out, and yeah, a hard wicket, run out. Pretty uh, good one too. But then, uh, then got bundled out in Birmingham and Trent Bridge. After that win at Lords, was the team? I don't want to say complacent, but were they maybe too confident that the series was going the way they thought, and then it slipped away pretty quickly? Yeah, maybe a little bit of complacency there. Uh, and if that's the case. What about this team? Can you see that it won't happen to them? Um, I just think they're in a pretty good place as a as a team, and with JL there's been, it keeps them pretty focused. I think um, I know he's got some different rules and things that he's been using throughout the World Cup and and here with um, partners and sort of meetings and this and that so he's very different how he runs things but he runs it his his way i guess and he works with tim uh, and and the the senior uh, players on it so i don't know Uh, i just think yeah we we, we're probably a little bit complacent last time uh because i felt like we could have won that series i I thought we had the players to do it and just got not just we just got bombed Um, i just think some pretty ordinary shots 
the, the pitch was doing a bit. Broad was on a on a high. It's uh, it, we just didn't win the big moments in that in that match, and I think it just I think there was a bit of stuff going on with Hads as well uh, at the time. Starkey was uh, probably not in the right headspace with um, you know Warney had said a few things. I think it sort of fired him up actually uh, in that in that game, but the game was already lost. <laughs> A top scored with what twelve or fourteen. That's pretty pretty ordinary. You've done it before, but I've done it with a hundred ninety nine. We lost lost both games every time we've top scored. We've lost, but yeah, I just think they're in a better place now because I think guys like your Hazelwoods, your Starks, Pattinson, Siddle, the line they've played enough over here now. They've had the experiences um, and. The batters, yeah, there's a little bit more um, or less experience, but there's enough there still. I just think it's a good team and everyone's in a good place. I think the year's turned around since sort of all the dramas of of the sandpaper stuff. Um, I think JL's been a big part of that. Um, And the players have all bought into it since, you know, he's come, come on board, I guess, and that it's... That's what it seems like from the outside. I don't really sort of ask too many questions from the inside. Um, I still see guys and catch up with them when I can or send a text and see how things are going. But and bottle you know, of champagne sort of every now and again. Bottle of champagne, which you didn't share with me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I just think they're in a pretty good space. Mm. All right, let's talk about Lords, who've played five games there, Mitch. Three test matches, two against England, one against... Pakistan. Pakistan. Steve Smith to boot. Tim Payne's to boot. Tim Payne's to boot, yeah. yeah. Uh, talk, let's take the fans in there. Let's start off with that inside the dressing room. What makes the Lords Pavilion, the dressing room, maybe even just the whole place so special for an Australian cricketer? Um, it just comes down to one thing. It's the food. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to get straight to it. <laughs> that was point two. <laughs> even. Was was the cakes? No, the rest know. of it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I thought it was rubbish the first time I played there in a test match. I actually did not enjoy it because I bowled all over the shop. So this it was a, a pretty a poor pa- experience. Oh nine, 9 yeah, yeah. yeah. It was actually a really bad experience. And I think um, it sort of took away from the whole experience of, of Lords and, um, you know, the pavilion and the, uh, just all the good stuff about it. Yeah. I didn't really take it in. Um so it was a bit disappointing for me at first and then I learnt to like it and got used to, you know, the slope is, it's crazy how much it makes a difference if you are slightly offline. Mm. It, it really is. I mean, that th- 15 series, I actually bowled for about 45 minutes in the back at the Nets. This is the day before the game. Uh, I made it, yeah, 40, 45 minutes and then I came out to the middle with Ryan Harris and I bowled both ends for about an hour until I got it right. He goes, about halfway through, he goes, I think you got it. And I said, no, because I was thinking about Alistair Cook from the uh, the um, pavilion, is it the pavilion end? Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about like going down that slope. So last time I'd played him in 09, it was like everything was getting clipped off his legs because so I was too straight or I was getting cut because it was going down the slope. Yeah, this margin for error is so so tiny, and I mean it is anyway in general. But when that slope was playing a massive part, and it was just in my head, 
So I worked for an hour with him and I said, I've got to get it perfect. And um, this is the day before the test You match. don't normally do that, do you? You don't normally bowl a lot before. Wouldn't, no. But I thought, you know what? I'm not worried about feeling tired. I just want to mentally be right. And I, once, I, once I got it, like almost like a light, light bulb switch, and I was just like, I'm good. I'm right to go. So that was a really, that was a key, mo- like a key session for me. And then I started to probably enjoy Lords a bit more because of the one day stuff I'd played there and um, started to, you know, just soak it up. You look up on the boards and you see all the great names of fast bowlers that have, you know, got fifers and tenfers and the batsmen and you wish that you're up on that, on that board and that's pretty amazing. Uh, the, the dressing rooms are, they're not massive here in England. It's probably one of the bigger ones, yeah. I'd say. Uh, but it's a really nice dressing room. I mean, the, I actually can't remember the, the roomie's name. He's such a go- great guy. Just looks after you. I've actually got one of the little things you get is a towel. So you get a towel with your name on it. I've uh, recently showed a couple of mates of mine back home because I pulled it out. You never use them, but I pulled it out for a bit of training I was doing not long ago. And, and I showed a couple of mates and they're like, wow, that's awesome, you know, like, it's got your name on it, M. Johnson, Lords, the the series and all that stuff. And it's pretty cool. So that, sort of take that home from, from that. Um, and then you walk through the, the long room after you get out and you still get clapped and appreciated. Or if you come off the field as a bowling unit, they really they really do appreciate it. There's a different feeling there. It's not as feral, I guess, um, <laughs> as like a, a Carter for Birmingham. Or other places in the world, like, you know, you can get feral places like the MCG in certain areas. Like, but what is it, Bay 13? Yeah. Uh, so, th- I mean, there's feral areas everywhere. But it, it's a different feeling there. It, when there's a boundary or if there's a wicket, there's a, a really strange clap. And everyone's sort of like together and I don't know. It's it's a pretty amazing place. They say you never get a, a roar there. It's kind of like a hum that it's occasionally like, yeah. builds and buzzes in the background all the time. Yeah. It's just sort of got, has a strange... Yeah, that's a good way to put it, yeah. So I was going to say, Tim Payne said you know, he didn't rate Edgeworth in his top 15 most daunting venues. And like you yep. mentioned a few. Did you have... I know uh, your first game, I think I was there in Lancaster Park, the old Jade Stadium in Christchurch, your first one oh, day. Yeah. That could be fairly that's combative. There, yeah, it's pretty... I wouldn't even call that a, a cricket ground... That was tiny. All I remember was getting uh, smacked out of the ground from uh, Jacob Oram. And he kept reminding me because I played uh, was it Mumbai Indians, I think, one year with him. And he didn't mind, remind, uh, he always reminded me of it. He's a funny guy. He's actually a really lovely guy. But um, that sticks in my head a fair bit. <laughs> um, Some of those South African grounds the- would be pretty intense. Yeah, I, I didn't mind. the South- Probably PE was... Another one that was... It's a great atmosphere. Because you get band. the band playing. Yeah. But the pitch was pretty pretty ordinary. Pretty slow and sort of dusty at times. And um, Yeah, it was it was okay. It wasn't a bad ground. Um, I never had really any daunting grounds. I mean, I had um, I played in Hamilton. Hamilton's um, was okay. But the crowd... I remember being sledged by some guy in the crowd saying that um, I'm a wife beater. Um yeah, Aussie, you're a wife beater, blah, blah, blah. And I said, mate, if you met my, uh, my girlfriend, you'd know who's getting beaten. Because um, she, you know, was a black belt in karate. So he sort of just laughed at me and got a few laughs from a few of the people around him. Um, I don't know. 
there's no there was no ground that was really daunting in a in a way that it's probably one of the hardest places is here with the Barmy Army because it's constant. Mm. It actually never leaves your your head. You go back to your room or you go out for dinner and it's constant. Mm. Um Yeah, there's no no ground that I sort of went, uh, I don't really want to be maybe maybe Chittagong, but I didn't really play I didn't play a test match there, I don't think. Played a I was there for was it Chittagong where Gillespie got his mm. two hundred. So I was there for that game. So it wouldn't have been a good place to no. to be just bowling. To be, just to be it around Dizzy. It was flat. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he was rubbing it into all the batsmen too. Don't worry about that. But there was a, a smell that would come over that ground as well. Yeah. So that was quite a... Mm. I think we played the T20, some T20 games there, I think. Could have done. Yeah, but... Um, I don't know. I think it's sort of like the West Indies, Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka's always... It's always nice to, to play, you know, Gaul and... So probably your worst memories of Lords, 2009. Uh yeah, only because of how I bowled. Like it was the probably the lowest, one of the lowest points in my career because I just didn't know how to bowl. But what I do remember is um, Ricky Ponting just giving me the ball all the time and saying, "You're good, mate. Like just keep being positive and get it through, um, and just you know just back yourself basically." So he had a lot of confidence in me, which was nice, but. <laughs> the confidence his confidence didn't rub off on me so yeah it was pretty pretty ordinary to be honest um but it was a funny tour as well because i'd had a really good season up until then but even through that series i still i think i still averaged um four wickets a game which has always been my goal as a bowler to average or get four wickets in a test match just as a marker mm. so mm. You have one bad, really bad game, and it sort of can sit with you for a long time. Wish and it did. <laughs> we should move on, probably. Should no, no, <laughs> it's good. I don't mind sort of reliving those things. It, you get on with it. But um, South Africa, when I injured my toe, was probably another low point because I came off from a short run. Uh, and that was a decision I made with uh, Craig McDermott at the time because I could bowl off a short run just as quick. But in a test match, it didn't look very good. Mm. And I was really... That was probably the very sort of worst I'd been mentally and probably physically as well. I'd lost a bit of weight mentally, just oh, I did not want to be there. I was too... Like that, and I, like I say, I wanted to be injured or something to get out of out of there. And I ended up being injured. So. It was just your toe. Two years later, destroying the palms on home soil. Oh, well. Funny old game. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up <laughs> this, uh, the preview, let's... What's going to happen? What are you what are you expecting from this? Uh, we don't want to give away all the secrets, otherwise no one will tune in. But uh, <laughs> what are you expecting uh, to see out of this test match? Can Australia go two 0 up? Can England bounce back? What's your gut telling you? Well, I I, I mean I have confidence, um, but I'd like I'd like to see Australia go two 0 up here. I just want them to play that good brand of cricket again. Just win the key moments and not get too far ahead of themselves. I think when they stay in the moment and just play each ball. I know it's like cliche stuff, but it really is true to how you play your best stuff is just go out there, enjoy it, and just win those key moments. Um, I think what they, what the, what I noticed in the warm-ups was the guys, they always do like a joke of the day or they just get into a huddle. And But what I noticed was England were looking over a fair bit at times when the Australians were, were doing that. So that's a, that's a good thing from the Australians' point of view. It means that they're focusing on what it, those guys are doing. Uh, not what they're doing themselves. So 
I know in the 13-14 series, we ignored the English players whenever we saw them. That was our... Michael Clark wanted us to basically not say a word to him when we walked past him in the hallways of the, the grounds or um, we weren't there to be friends. It was game on type of thing at the ground. So I sort of feel like England are... You know, that... that that annoyed them a lot in that mm. series. They were going, well, these guys are, are pricks, like, basically. And it sort of, it rattled them a bit. Um, it's like being called a pack of dogs by the South Africans. Mm. Didn't bother me one bit. Like, I thought, that's how we want to be. We want to be together as a unit. And if they want to say we're a pack of dogs, then that's fine. They can say it. Um, as long as we're playing good cricket and not... look. Occasionally, yeah, you overstep the mark and, and that just happens in, in sport. Uh, it's not something you purposely do, but it was all about skills and, and getting to it and having a, a good time out there as well. So, um, yeah, I think as long as they the Australian team can focus on what they're doing, not worry about what's happening. The lead-up's been really good, I think, with the World Cup. That's something I did mention uh, on radio and a bit of stuff that I was doing through the last game that... The lead-up hasn't been as built up as previous ones because of the World Cup has come first. I don't know if anyone else has felt that or not, but that's been a good thing for the Australian boys to just, especially the young guys, they're not feeling the pressure of media hounding them from over here because I know the English journos, it can be quite intense. Mm. Um, so I think that's really helped. And to be able to win that first game, I think is a big plus and they can just go about their own business so, yeah, I just think there's a lot of things pointing in the right direction for, for, for them. Mm. Well, I obviously didn't uh, mind sharing some words on the field during that 13-14 series, did he, particularly in Brisbane? But uh, What did he say? <laughs> that's not for this podcast. Remember, are you, oh, isn't it? Oh. Are you feeling uh, on similar lines to Mitch about, the, uh, <laughs> about, about where this test match might end up? Yeah. Uh, you have to think that out of Edgbaston, there's still a couple of things they can improve on too. Like that's yeah. probably the the good they've got. Wasn't like you know they've peaked, they've sort of hit their straps at the start and can only go backwards. I think there's a few things there that they can improve on. Yep. England, you got to think they just the changes they've made to their team. The you just get this. This is the longest break they'll have between tests to mm -hmm. think about things. Yep. If they don't get it right here, you just kind of wonder yep. um, where they can go because uh, they've fiddled with players, they've fiddled with combinations. Yep. Um, so you'd have to think that, as they say in economics, trend lines would suggest that uh, the Australian one is probably going up, whereas the England one might be flatlining a bit. And if you go on trend, then it's and Australia's record at Lords, it all mm. kind of yeah. looks reasonably positive. Uh, it was an interesting one actually about the break. I wouldn't mind just saying something on that because whether it's going to help them or not, because they've had a lot of time to think about it and, and make these changes. Is that going to be a good thing or a bad thing? Or you know, if they just got straight into it, you know, they could have just got over that last game and then mm. so I sort of thought maybe the long break is probably going to help them but you never know like if they're in this sort of how are we going to get Steve Smith sort of that's I, I bet you that's most of the things that they're talking about in these in this next test match mm. so it's I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing but um, yeah I, I sort of I sort of think it's probably I hope it helps Australia and they can keep that momentum going mm. There we go. I'm a little bit wary of an England bounce back here. I think Australia had the perfect preparation for that first test match. They've gone straight into a tool game. Haven't had a lot of time to rest those four guys did in the two bowlers, Pattinson mm -hmm. and Siddle. But uh, 
I think we've looked at it before this series. Australia have started away tours really strongly and then dipped. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be the case under Justin Langer, but uh, I just don't think England are going to let some of those chances slip again. Uh, and having boost sucked into them in that island game and came back strong in that game yep. might be a little bit delayed in the ashes. So can't write them off. Well, the only thing I see is Australia have got a bit of a secret weapon with John Cena, who's been seen at the hotel. So a few sort of... Uh, sessions at the hotel you know gym sessions to get really? strength up i don't know if you've heard that or not john cena yeah it's not jason wrestler. berendorf is it <laughs> no. <laughs> no it's not definitely not this is the it's, real it's john cena the john cena oh, i think you mate, can't I'm, see him normally can you mate he can't no because he yeah. covers his face yeah there you go no um uh was it beaks after the physio had a photo with him he sent it through so um I caught up with with Troy Cooley and a couple other guys last night, and they were talking about John Senna or something was at the hotel, and I was like, "Oh, John Cena, yeah, yeah." There so you go. He's got what he had said. He's got um, arms the size of his legs, of like Hads's legs. It's pretty. Um, is that right? Is that so? Yeah. I think he's just, something like that. He's, he's just massive. Does have a has have big legs? <laughs> he's huge. All right. Anyway, there you go, John Cena. <laughs> Let's finish off the show with a game of play it or leave it. Uh, Mitch, I don't know if you've played this game before, but uh, I'm going to throw throw you a scenario, bowl yep. you a scenario, if you will, uh, and you're going to either agree or disagree, play it or leave it. Rambo is an expert at this. All right. Very yeah, good. I've, I've left most of them and had <laughs> stumps scattered on <laughs> pretty much every occasion. We'll start if off this with is like cricket related, I'm, I'm going to be useless. Anyway, well, we'll go. Okay. Uh, the first one, uh, you both get to answer. Uh, 13 or more wickets. By Blues bowlers in this test match. In the first test, Nathan Lyon and Pat Cummins took 16 between them. Will we see 13 or more wickets from New South Wales bowlers in this match? You've got to consider the way up the selection options as well. There might be a third one in there, it might just be two. So you've got to play it or leave it. I'll play it. So if you play it, that means you agree. I reckon the, yeah, I'd play that because I reckon they're really good odds if Josh Hazelwood comes into the team at, for Peter Siddle. I reckon you, if you haven't taken. Those wickets with the New South Wales bowlers. I don't know who's going to get them. Yes, that's a good point. There you go. Okay, uh, more than a hundred runs from Steve Smith in this match across both innings. They got two hundred and eighty odd in the the first test. Can he back it up and make at least a hundred? A hundred in the game. Like that's the combination of both innings. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd have to play that. I think, uh, given the way he's batting at the moment, given his record at Lords um, mm. the last time he was there. Um, yeah, I, I, that's, I think that's right. It's um, an easy one, is it? Okay. I'm a bit iffy, but uh, just because I, I want him want him to do well again, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to play it. What makes you iffy? I don't know. It's just, I guess it's just the, all the talk with Joffre Archer. Mm. That's the only thing I can think of. Okay. Maybe that extra pace, someone who can use his short ball, but... It could play into his hands as well. Mm. How'd he go last time at Lords? 215 and 58? Yeah, yeah. Hit, him, hit him all right too. Did him, did him okay. Goes okay. Yep. Not okay. a bad player. <laughs> all right, uh, Jack Leach, likely to play in the second test match, coming in for Mo and Ali. Uh, how many balls? Played, played at Wanneroo Cricket Club. Did they? Yeah. Right. yeah, a couple of years back. As a batsman or as a bowler? Uh, as a bowler. Right. 
Well, he did very well at the Lord's Test match against Ireland. Man of the match for his efforts as a night watchman opening the batting. Uh, he only bowled three overs in that game, however. Uh, so we're going to say uh, Jack Leach to bowl fewer than 30 overs in this test. We've times it by 10, but do you reckon he'll get to 30? He play that Is he playing? Are they picking him as a as a bowler or a batsman? I think they're picking him as a, as a spinner, yeah. All right. yeah. He looked probably better technically than Burns well, as a yeah. batsman. Well, he's still got a lot of runs though, Burns, didn't he? Mm. I think that might be the last we see Burns scoring runs. But uh, I might leave that one because it's simply because not only did he play that test match and he, I'm not sure there's been many specialist bowlers who've won player of the match without taking a wicket in a yes. test, but he did that. Um, I just think the Australians would go after him, to be honest. I, I noticed that even at practice today, a couple of the batters were having some specialist practice against left-arm spinners and I just think uh, their strategy might be Go after him. That means the quicks have to come back and bowl more, particularly Broad and mm. Stokes, who, as Mitch says, already had a heavy workload. So I just think they might target him. Um, that may play into his hands, and he may become a you know, a strike bowler and bowl a lot of overs. But I think they he might be uh, in for less than thirty. Okay, so you're gonna uh, you're gonna play it then? Fewer than thirty overs. So oh, was that the question? Yes. It was fewer. Yeah. See, this is why I'm no good at this game. <laughs> so I've got to th- mix it up. Got to change it up a little bit. Right. So you're playing it? I'm playing it. Okay. For the whole match? Yep. No, he's, he's going to bowl more than that. I, so I agree, so though, on the so situation. you're going to leave it then? I'll leave it, yeah. Okay. But I agree. I think they will definitely target him. and it's. But I think he's going to have to bowl a lot. Mm. And I guess the only only sort of other thing is the how many left-handers, right-hand, the combination of the, mm. the Australian team. So it's, it'd be pretty even, wouldn't it, I think? From that yep. point of view, so left, might see Joe Root bowl a few more again. So it'd be close. It might be a, a close one, but those two guys will probably have to bowl a bit more than uh, you think. Because I don't know. Also, Wokes, there's like question marks on him. Him, I think, with injuries and stuff like that. So and they bowled 13 overs in the second innings. Uh, yeah. So out of 112. Yeah. And they, to, and they don't want to be doing that to Stokes again. No. Keep burning him into the ground. So I'm going to go leave it. Okay. Four left-handers in Australia's top six, Warner, Kawaja, Head and Wade. Okay. Uh, more than three names added to the Lord's Honours Boards. So if you're already on there, you can mm. add it again. This is both teams. You get on the Lord's Honours Boards. Three or more, is it? Three or more. Uh, it can be you get on the Lord's Honours Boards for taking a five-wicket haul, ten wickets in the match, and uh, scoring 100. So, is that both teams you're talking about? Both teams. Don't have to name anyone? or No. Bonus points if you do, but no, I'm going to leave that one because I think there'll be even spread of runs and wickets, and uh, I can't see. No, I'm just mm. not. I'm just not buying. Okay, it. I'm leaving, leaving it. One. Yep. Maybe 100, and I don't know if there'll be a fight. Mm, maybe a fifer. Mm. I'm going to leave that one. Leaving that one too. Okay, wait and see. Five uh, new balls used in the match. At least five, five or more new balls. So these are fresh, hard Jukes balls, not ones that have been changed after forty overs or so. Yep. Um, there were six used in the first test. What batch are they using for this one? <laughs> not sure what, what batch number is it. Not sure what year they're coming from, <laughs> or how big the seam is, or how tightly strung it is. Vintage, which yeah. hasn't proved to be uh, one of its one of its uh, best. Uh, I don't know. If it, it, I think they might. Is it really depends on. 
the can conditions. I think there might, be a, there might be a bit of reverse swing happening if there's a bit of bareness to the pitch, hardness, bareness. I would say you're saying five or... Five in total in the match. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll play that. Okay. Yeah, I think that would be the case. Um, there be like, I don't know how many that would be if they had to replace them because they had to replace one in Edgbaston because someone dropped it in a pint. I think That's it, right. It came That's back right. from... I think James Pattinson hit a six and it came back and Joe Root took a whiff of it and <laughs> screwed up his nose and gave it to the umpire who gave it the same reaction. So I don't know what it landed in, but it wasn't pretty. It wasn't good. Okay, yeah, finally. Uh, this one's pretty much for you, Mitch. At least yes. two Lord's lunches for <laughs> Mitchell Johnson. I know, you've, I know you've tried to you're trying to try and sneak in there and get some from the players' dining room. Do you reckon you can get in there at least twice? Uh Oh, all you need is a team I'm kit, maybe that. a lanyard, and you. I just need Frankie. I just need Frankie, or so Frankie could help me out. The security man. A security man. Is the towel? Does it double like a? You I think know, I can get lifetime one. pass. Yeah. You just yeah, wave yeah, I that. Think it is. Do you have to do what? Do you do a faf duple C with it? Just put it around your mm. waist, go in there topless. Yeah, I just walk around with no shirt on. Um, that might work. No, I don't know. That's a. That's a. I can't. You can directly influence this one, mate. Yeah. I know I can. Yeah. The other one, I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping I can get more than two. It's a hope. I'm saying that Mitchell definitely have lunch at least twice, and that is whether that, it's in the dressing room or not is uh, it's up for debate. Is that just lunch, or is it? Can that be breakfast? It's got to be. It's got to be meals in the players' dining room. Uh, you know what? I reckon I'm going to go no because I'm going to be over the other side. So I'm going to be. You could run over there. I could. Look at his split. Nah, I'm going to say. I'm I'm not I'm leaving it I'm I can't see me doing it it's too far to walk. The other problem is they post the um, the photo of the menu every day of what the players are having and that might be oh, very very so hard because it's it's it's, it's, it's like, like a, a five like you get fo- like choice of five different well four different like mains. You walk in first you walk in you're sitting with like the opposition as well it's pretty tight. You've got like soup and then you've got like drinks to choose from in the fridges and then they've got prawns already peeled in the middle. So if you're like Billy McDermott and you turn up before everyone else and you start eating the whole um, whole plate of prawns, it sort of annoys people. But well, I could do that. Um, I think Troy Cooley's probably up up for that sort of um, mantle well, at the moment. We're going to ask he you. Doesn't, he doesn't mind a Lord's feed on your in your on your playing days. I mean, who was the person that sort of dined out the most there? Oh. Without, oh, I mean, you have to go have to name names. Oh. This one. Well, I'm, I'm going to say. Well, I was probably up there because I still ate food when I was playing. A lot of guys don't like to. Can't do it, yeah. Mitch so Stark's one of those just, players. Yeah. yeah. Um, Binger was never any good. He didn't like eating. and What a waste. Play. Yeah. Oh, I'd have the... So you'd have like four, like at least four choices of mains and then you'd have three or four choices of dessert. And I would just, yeah. If you're batting, One of each, up. please. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know who else would have been. Um, it was mostly like the staff, like Big Mendo when he was there, um, Billy. The staff definitely um, they got more time to kill, don't they? It, yeah, yeah. Some of the players, oh, who would have like Patton, Pattinson will load up. Pato, he likes food. Um, yeah. What's the dream result there that you you've bowled just in in the morning and you're like none for ten at lunch and you know you're not going to have to bat for the rest of the days and then you can really oh. dive in. Yeah. Yeah, but like I said, I was just I was diving in anyway. That Even if you're halfway through a spell, if you'd bowled two overs before lunch, and you'd probably have to come yep. out with it. And 
I've done that on many of occasions because I like food. It was even like Adelaide Oval and you had the plum chicken. Mm. Same thing. I'd be like, I'm not missing out on this. <laughs> so I'd eat it. I didn't care. But what I'd do is I'd like go straight up to the room and then go eat straight away. So I'd give myself like seven minutes for more to time to settle. <laughs> so sometimes I would, yeah, be a bit full. That's when the captain goes, you're bowling first after lunch. You I'd go, burp oh, up you know, a few. Uh, I just need to warm up a little bit. Yeah, I'd burp up the old meatballs here and there, you know, if you had those. Or So it was never, it was not great, but I, I was never missing out. You've got to take advantage of these things, you do. don't you? You do. It's like the Worcester cake store. That's right. And we right. certainly took advantage of those. Dollar <laughs> fifty per slice. I mean, amazing. Or pound fifty per slice. They probably went to Fantastic you like value. free for... Did a deal for me, yeah. yeah. Buy two, get one free. No, not quite, unfortunately. You know what? I think we're done talking. That's it. Excellent. This week. Thank you very much for coming on, Mitch. Yeah, thanks. Good luck with the, at Lords and the food and everything. Yeah. And uh, Rambo, <laughs> good luck with uh, selling your book. Yeah, thanks. Uh, in all good booksellers, and if they haven't got it, they're not a good bookseller. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. We're going to return next week to wrap up the second test. So until then. For all your breaking news, live scores and video highlights, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app.